Welcome to the oh, hey there. podcast. We are back. Another edition of the Oh Hey There Pod. I'm here. Uh, took a little bit of time off. Had a lot of work going on. Leo, what's going on, buddy? How are you? You know, just here um, covering the San Diego Padres now. And I'm watching them ahead of my San Francisco Giants. Like, can I can I still say that at this point? I don't know. But it's fun. Baseball season. Chug beers. Let's do it. They say you shouldn't cover a team that you're fans of. So... I guess it's that, a, it's that's a what plus. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I've never covered a team that I don't have any say emotional attachment to. Yeah. Um. So basically, I feel like everything I talk about when it comes to the Padres is going to be completely black and white. Um. Nothing colorful on my end. Yeah. Since last time we talked, baseball is back. Yankees lost today. Gi- Giants are in the middle of a game against the Padres. Baseball's back, and I don't know how to feel about it just because I don't. I think they kind of lost me this year with the lockout and everything else they try to do. Baseball is going to have to earn it back with me. Well, you also work like 500 hours a week, if we're being honest. Correct. Yes. A lot of a lot of hours uh, recently at work. Um, since last time we spoke, Leo, a lot has changed in the Debo Samuel 49ers love connection, love triangle, whatever you want to call it. Um, Debo has scrubbed his Instagram. Debo has... Had some cryptic tweets. Debo has had rappers tweeting things out for him. And it's all kinds of crazy. Peter King had some comments. Matt Mayoko had some comments. Everyone is kind of speaking for both sides here. Peter King and Matt Mayoko kind of sound like they're speaking for the 49ers, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, whereas Debo Samuel is just using the internet uh, and social media to kind of relay his messaging. Um, What do we make of all this? Man, this is kind of like that situation when we're like, ha, Arizona, Kyler Murray, he took you guys off Instagram, um, you know, bunch of fools over there in the desert. And now reality has hit us in the face because Debo Samuel's in the same situation as Kyler Murray. These are two dynamic players that want to get paid. I feel like both players came out of the blue, but what I find interesting with Debo Samuel is he was so well he still is loved within the fan base like fans they just immediately attract to Debo they love his play style um the way he grinds for every single yard and now you just pop on twitter and you're saying that hey 49ers should trade Debo Samuel hey don't pay Debo Samuel 25 million dollars per year yet let's hold off on it um as if it's our money that's what we love to do uh when we talk about our teams is you know, pretend that it's ours. I call it monopoly money. That that's the time of year we're in. And how I personally see it is if he deleted everything, which he did, 49ers related, that's fine. Like do like if, if that's your negotiation tactic, which it seems like that's a, what it is for a lot of players, like who cares? It's just, you know, it's just pictures. Is like who cares? Um he changed his cover photo to all black. Cool. This dude's in off-season grind mode. I don't care what his profile picture is. I don't. It could be black. It could be yellow, green, blue, Seattle blue, L.A. blue. I don't care. As long as this guy comes back next season and plays the way he did in 2021, I'm excited to watch the career of Debo Samuel still. Um, If this is his way of negotiating with the team fine 
as you should. You deserve to be paid. Um, so I just, you know, every player does this. DeAndre Hopkins did it when he was with the Texans. I don't think it screams trade me now. It's not a trade request. Just because you deleted photos on Instagram does not scream a trade request. It's it's we've had friends. They've had been in relationships and their certain relationship. They deleted that picture off of Instagram. Sometimes it gets old. They delete it. Doesn't mean they're moving on. Doesn't mean that they're not with that person anymore. They just scrubbed it for whatever reason. Um, same situation here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just, this is 2022. People get mad at the player for, they think it's childish, they think it's this, they think it's that. No, some people, some players want certain things public, right? The George Kittle stuff didn't actually go public until Jack Becta, the agent, made a lot of the comments public through the uh, Mike Silver piece. Um, the DeForest Buckner stuff didn't come out until DeForest Buckner actually interviewed the 49ers um, beat writers this past season. Debo Samuel's kind of publicly putting out there, look, I'm not happy, I'm not satisfied with whatever the offer is. If Even if there is an offer or even if something has gotten, you know, progressed to a point where they've gotten to sit down and talk numbers and Debo's like, no, 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 no. I carried you to the playoffs. I carried this team on my back. When you needed me most, I, I got the job done. I delivered for you, right? I delivered. Pay me. And he's right to feel that way because without Debo Samuel, the 49ers probably don't make the playoffs. Yeah. Without Debo Samuel, the Niners probably don't win 10 games how many of those times how many of those games did he score a touchdown a vital touchdown in those games or make or turn a third and six into a first down when they needed it right taking bubble screens to the house or 80 yards right to set the offense up to be successful in the red zone because Jimmy Garoppolo was crap in the bed half the time right and I'm not trying to dig on Jimmy but there's a lot of reasons why the offense had to operate the way it did with Debo Samuel. You had to turn your best, you had to turn your best offensive weapon into a wide receiver and a running back. And at the back end of the season, you primarily used him as a running back to stretch the, stretch the defense horizontally, and then the rest of the passing game operated correctly. Um, Debo Samuel is invaluable to this team, right? DeForest Buckner was probably the best player in the 2019 team. You know, that's argue. We can debate it, whatever you want. But in 2021, Debo Samuel was the MVP of the 49ers. He was the MVP of this team. I do not subscribe to the notion that Kyle Shanahan had to scheme him open. The The offense was only working because Kyle did this or Kyle did that. No, sometimes, I've said this a million times before, sometimes your scheme needs good players. Yes. Sometimes the scheme needs really good players to make it work well, right? And I, I, I do like Kyle Shanahan, but there's a level of arrogance with him that I can see coming through some of these articles written by Peter King, some of the comments made by Matt Mayoko, these things feel like a, hey, go ahead and take the bullets for us, you know, media guys, while we share these thoughts, right? Not publicly, but through the media um, with Peter King and Matt Miyoko and others that are out there. Um, it, to me, it's a bad look, and it, it's, this is a contentious negotiating period, right? Because you want to get this done. I, I don't think the Niners want him to leave or want him out of here. I think they want to get this done, but they want it at their price. And sometimes you can't get everything at your price. And this and this is one of those guys that you probably can't get at your price because of how valuable he was to your team. Matt Mayoko had some comments, and I disagree with him on his comments, but let's play what he had to say on his most recent podcast with Jennifer Lee Chan. Yeah, I mean, Diva Samuel had a great year, and he got off to a really good start as a wide receiver. I'm not sure that anybody puts him in that same class of wide receiver as some of the guys we're talking about, Devontae Adams, uh, 
in you know Cooper Cup and uh, you mentioned Tyreek Hill. Uh, he hasn't had that consistency. Um, but so that's you know that's something. Can he be that consistent wide receiver? Where he was so valuable to the 49ers is that he is a, basically a running back playing wide receiver. And it, it's not that he's you know great going up against man coverage. Um, or he's just this nuanced route runner and all that. He's just really good at, uh, you know, the front scheme him open. And then once he has the ball in his hands, I mean, good luck bringing him down. So he's a different style than these other wide receivers. The question that the 49ers have to answer is, you know, do they want to devote so much cap space to Debo Samuel at that position when they already have this, this roster full of guys who are top paid at their positions. So Mayoko goes on to talk about, you know, who they had as top paid players, Kittle, Juszczyk, Trent Williams, Fred Warner. You know, you, you, we all know the usual suspects on this team. That's, you know, the, the core of this, all, this defense, Eric Armstead, those, or this team, excuse me, Eric Armstead, those guys all fall within top five, top 10 at their position being highest paid. Would the Niners want to pay Debo Samuel top five, top six, maybe even just top ten wide receiver money? The answer is the answer should be yes, right? And where I don't agree with Debo, where I where I don't agree with Matt Miyoko is he he kind of slighted Debo's route running ability. I think Debo Samuel is probably one of the better route runners on this team. Um, you know, running slants might be to some may feel like an easy thing to do, but he has mastered that slant. He's mastered those meshes. He's mastered those crossers. He is his ability to get open, as physical as he is, is a talent in itself. And the ball it gets to him, whether it's on late or on time, or I mean, we saw him get killed in the NFC title game because Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball late. He was wide open. How is he wide open? Oh, that's right, because he beat the guy off the line of scrimmage in man coverage. So that's a false statement by Matt Mayoko there. The game tape does not lie when it comes to Debo Samuel. He can beat press man coverage. He can beat man coverage. Oh, he also beats your zone coverage, too. There's a reason he was bracketed so much towards the back end of the 2021 season. And part of that is because he can beat any coverage that you throw at him. That's the beauty of what Kyle drafted, and that's what Kyle mentioned when he first drafted him. I want guys who can beat man coverage. We've heard Kyle say it every offseason. If you can beat man coverage, you're going to be on this team. Brandon Ayuk did that. Dante Pettis did that. Dante Pettis wasn't very good, but at least he can beat man coverage. He had brick hands. Debo Samuel beat man coverage. Oh, Juwan Jennings beat man coverage. Like, that is a prerequisite to be a 49er wide receiver right now. So that's that's a false thing there. Um, so, you know, if the Niners don't want to pay him that type of money, then maybe don't pay a fullback top of the market money, right? Like, or maybe don't spend what you spent on Eric Armstead a couple years back. Like, these are this is this is the cost of doing business when you've drafted pretty well with your first couple selections in the first two rounds, Debo and Bo. So those guys are going to get paid big money. This is something where it kind of comes up every couple of years with the Niners when they have a really good player. Do they pay him? Do they pay him? Do they pay him? Should they pay Debo Samuel early? I get why they didn't because he had injury concerns last year, right? You don't pay him going into year three. You pay him after year three or at least start the conversation. But this is the cost of doing business, man. He was your offense, and he's probably going to continue to be your offense while you develop Trey Lance. So this is the value of having Jimmy Garoppolo off the books already. I don't care what they say, that Jimmy hasn't hindered their plans. 
anyone with an extra $25 million in cap space is going to be in a better position than without it. You talk about those in-breaking routes in the middle of the field. What's an easier throw for the quarterback or at least a, a, a higher chance of a completion? A throw in between the numbers or a throw outside of the numbers? A throw in between the numbers. So it's like, yeah, the, the dude is elite at all those in-breaking routes. He is a quarterback's dream. Uh, Drew Brees would love to have a guy like this. Michael Thomas has made a great career on in-breaking routes in New Orleans with Drew Brees. And the whole notion of, is Debo Samuel up there with Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill? Hell yes. I'm going to say absolutely he is. Because they say... Debo Samuel, you know, had it for one year. Sure, that's fine. But Cooper Cup never had a year like he had this past year. He had good years. Debo Samuel had a good rookie year as well. You can make the case if he got touches in that fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, he could have probably won the 49ers that game as a rookie. That's how important this guy is. He's a spark plug within this offense. Now, I'll tell you what. Devontae Adams is the best at what he does. Cooper Cup is the best at what he does in terms of their style of play. Tyreek Hill, the best at what he does. And Debo Samuel, the best at what he does. Four different type of receivers that are all, say, aces in their terms, in their style of play. They're all aces. Yet, Debo Samuel is not Vontae Adams, yet Debo Samuel had... 300 more all-purpose yards than Devontae Adams. Okay, that's that's nice, Leo. Yards is cool, but yards don't put up points. I care about touchdowns within these receivers. Okay, cool. Run it then. Debo Samuel had three more touchdowns than Devontae Adams. Who does Debo Samuel have at quarterback? Who is Debo Samuel competing with in terms of targets? The ball in his hands. Brandon Ayuk. George Kittle, a heavy run game. Juwan Jennings on third down. You know, Kyle Shanahan likes to draw those up. Who does, who's Devontae Adams competing with ball touches in Green Bay? Aaron Jones? Nobody. That's about it. Nobody. <laughs> That's about it. The answer's it. nobody. We heard Jalen Ramsey. What do you call him? 1B? Called Yeah. 1B. That's what a guy in his own division that has to face him twice a year. And Jalen Ramsey ain't going to sugarcoat a division rival. Let's keep it real. Someone he faces twice a year. He is not going to sugarcoat it and call him 1B. You have the, the best corner in today's football saying that. To your point about style of play, it was Kyle Shanahan who Kyle Shanahan and then Mike McDaniels who went to Debo and said, hey, we're going to start giving the ball to the backfield eight, nine, ten times a game. And he did it, kept his mouth shut, got the job done. He delivered. He delivered. Over and over and over again, single-handedly won the Cowboys playoff game. Basically, won the the Green Bay Packers playoff game. He, you know, <laughs> he carried them in the NFC title game. He carried them in the Week 17 game against the Rams. Like this is what it is. We said this a couple weeks ago. The Niners should not trade Debo Samuel. Would they though? That is the question, right? So Matt Mayoko again. More comments from him uh, recently in NBC Sports Bay Era. He said, um, 
There's been no indication the 49ers are openly shopping Samuel in a trade, but Coach Kyle Shanahan said it himself a year ago. Nobody on this team is off limits. For trade discussion, he and Lynch will consider any legitimate offer. So for those of those folks who came, you know, hounding at my mentions, um, pay attention to what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch do, not what they say. And it's also considerate. You know, if, if someone offered me a – I was at a baseball game and somebody offered me a Bud Light, I'll consider it. Probably won't take it, but I'll consider it um, because Bud Light's trash, but that's my personal opinion. Uh, but, like, come on. The, this guy is is the price of the market. You you want to have elite players, you're going to have to pay elite money for them. They did it for George Kittle. They did it for Trent Williams. Oh, my God, Javi. They did it for Jimmy Garoppolo. So it's like, what are we doing here? They made Jimmy Garoppolo the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history at one point. That's the price of, That's the price tag of the market. I can't go into Toyota and say, yo, Javi, give me, give me that brand-new 4-runner for 10, 10 grand. Let's run it. <laughs> Bye. No, that's not the price tag. Today's price was is not yesterday's price. So that's a, that's essentially what happened with this wide receiver market. Today's price is not yesterday's price in terms of wide receivers. If Debo, the alleged number that's being thrown around is twenty five mil per year, I'd pay that in a heartbeat for Debo. The way these contracts are going to be constructed, it's basically if it's a four year deal, it's a th- it's going to be a three-year deal. If it's a five-year deal, it's going to be a four-year deal. Um, so it, it's something that you could definitely work around with the with the 49ers. And we all know Prague loves to do year one of that deal anyways, being less than $10 million. It's always going to be a single-digit number year one. Um, so, you know, just, just get the deal done. Getting him a new deal, yeah. he's going to make the same amount of money this year on his rookie contract. It, the only difference is he's going to get guarantees, signing bonuses, all that stuff. Just pay Debo. So as you know, I'm, I'm very much into hip-hop. So I listen to a couple other podcasts, hip-hop podcasts. One of my favorite rappers, Joe Budden. He has, he has his own podcast. And Joe Budden's pretty close to Lil Baby. You know who else is pretty close to Lil Baby? Debo Samuel. Uh, I, I thought this was a relevant comment. Based on Lil Baby's actions, for those of you who, do, who are not familiar with music, the music, Lil Baby is a rapper. He is probably... I don't know, top two or three currently in his genre. Um, and he's up for some big money coming his way as well. And the way it was just the way the music is being described, he's talking about you're going to have to pay, you know, basically pay me that payday's coming. And he kind of speaking for Debo Samuel and unsolicited Joe Budden brings up Debo Samuel's name. Here's a clip from this past weekend's episode. You can hear his confidence. I'm, I'm distancing myself yeah, from the rest, of the, from the rest of the packs. And when you do like that, I need equity to sign the deal. Heard what he said. Letting you know where his mind is. Mm-hmm. Mind right. Change Money right. Change Ready for war. I'm young. I got all the talent in the world. This shit is clearly mine. We was just having this talk about, uh, oh, uh, Debo. Debo, Debo Sam. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just had this talk. Same talk. Yeah. You got two quarterbacks locked up, Jimmy G and the little young boy. Mm-hmm. I just showed the whole world what I could do, clearly. We all we all know mm-hmm. I'm on a rookie deal, but I don't care about that because there's too many receivers getting paid right now. My usage rate is through the roof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting down. Yeah. I'm unfollowing you. I'm sitting down. Pay up. And go talk to my agent. Mm-hmm. I want to yeah. play here, but I did what I have to do. Your turn. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've showed you already. Which is what he keeps saying in this record. Little baby. No I mean, stick up is coming. <laughs> Stick up is coming. You have no idea. For somebody. He letting them know. 
I thought that was pertinent. I thought it was relevant because you, that stuff doesn't come up in a hip hop conversation without someone saying something, right? And Debo has been very cryptic in his IG stuff, mentions and and tweets. He's always been he's been around a lot of rappers recently. The most recent one was if it ain't twenty five million, we don't want it. That was his most recent like tweet from another rapper that he's pictured with, right? That was Trey. I think want to say it's Trey the Truth or something like that. I, I don't. I don't. I just got a pic. I got the picture in my DM, and I was like, oh okay. But it's it's um. It is what it is at this point, man. Like. This is the market. Like you said, last yesterday's price is not today's price. The price keeps going up because the market keeps changing. Now, with the market keep changing, David Lombardi had a really good piece about Debo Samuel contract. Funny thing about a lot of these contracts is there's a lot of there's a lot of flat there's a lot of uh fluff, a lot of BS inside these contracts. So let's let's talk about this. Tyreek Hill, AP, APY, so average annual basically average annual value, right? Tariq Hill is getting $30 million average annual value, but it's fully guaranteed money, not total. This is the difference between some of these, the way these contracts are worded. Fully guaranteed money that Tyreek Hill is going to see, $52.5 million. Devontae Adams, $28 million AAV, $22.8 million, fully guaranteed. DeAndre Hopkins, 27.3 AAV. $42.8 million guaranteed. DJ Moore, 20.6 AAV, $41.6 million fully guaranteed. The rest of the list consists of Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, Mike Williams, Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas, and Kelly Galladay. And their, their fully guaranteed money ranges from $28 million to $40 million. So what is Debo Samuel's value here with fully guaranteed money because that's what matters when we really talk about these contracts right like we saw Trent Williams is the highest paid left tackle etc etc but really what is his fully guaranteed value um I'm gonna pull this up here because I that now that we're we're talking here um Trent Williams has a fully guaranteed amount of 40 million dollars but his contract value is $138 million. The fully guaranteed portion of that is $40 million. There's a lot of fluff in a lot of these contracts. So what would Debo accept? My educated guess, based on those other contracts in the, in the wide receiver group, would Debo Samuel say yes to $55 million fully guaranteed money? I think the answer is yes, because I, I keep seeing this whole thing of does Debo get 70? Does Debo get 70? Okay, 70 total guarantee, maybe, but the fully guaranteed portion of it for injury or for whatever it might be, 55 seems right on par with the rest of his wide receiver group. Dude, I feel like I'm in math class growing up, going over all these numbers. Like, I'm a numbers guy. You work in sales, you're working deals on, on these trucks, forerunners, whatever it is. You're with numbers all day. I'm in sales. I'm I'm I do, you know, Padres writing on top of that. So it's I'm looking at numbers all day, looking at stats, looking looking at, you know, all of that good stuff, analytics, all that. Um, same with football. And these contracts, man, they're they're tough. Because even with like a Devontae Adams or a Tyree Kill, you can look at practical guaranteed. 
Um, so basically what practical guaranteed includes is like a roster bonus um, based on certain years compared to, say, a guaranteed at signing. Um, so a practical guaranteed with Tyree Kill is a $72.2 million out of 120. Stefan Diggs, $70 million. Uh, Devontae Adams, 65.6. Uh, Michael Thomas, 60 and a half. Um, so what's Debo Samuel's practical guarantee going to be? And I think that's where the hangup is. Because you could give Debo 55 at signing guaranteed, but practical guaranteed in terms of roster bonuses and all that, Debo may not care about the, the average you know, annual signing per year. He may want the top dog in terms of practical guaranteed, in terms of you know, roster bonuses when you make the roster and all that. Is it a possibility that he's asking for 75? I mean, it's possible. But at the end of the day, like, does that, are you, you're going to be getting defensive end money and guaranteed dollars, right? Are you trying to be the Kirk Cousins of the wide receivers where you're getting your contract fully guaranteed, right? Are you trying to be the Deshaun Watson of, of contracts, get your, your deal fully guaranteed? Because it's $75 million. Fully guaranteed, that blows the market way out of proportion, right? Because then who would be next? Justin Jefferson, well, who has I'm been just talking about practical and I, guaranteed in terms of because Tyreek kills yeah. at seventy two point two, Stephon Diggs is at seventy, and that how you get that practical okay. guaranteed is a roster bonus. Um, I think it's safe to say Stephon may not get cut over that contract. Um, but there's a possibility, you know, he could because his last year of that deal, he'll be 34, cap hit at 21. I guess that also depends on where the cap situation is at that time. But the last year of that deal, he has like a, a roster bonus of $3.2 million. He has an, uh, an option bonus of $3.2 million. Um, so it, it gets interesting with these contracts. They're tough, man. I, I would not want to be an agent. Uh, working these deals and that language is just way beyond the real estate language. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, if it's 75 practical guarantee, then I mean, you got to say yes to that. If I'm Debo Samuel, because anything more, you're just really, really pushing it. Um, currently Debo would play under the 2022 number at 3.3 or 3.9 million. So, you know, he's going to get whatever. He's going to have a very large pay, Pay increase in twenty twenty three. Um to me it all to me for real though, it all comes down to that fully guaranteed money. That that is kind of where I'm at with this. Like I know everyone wants to see that AAV number is what, you know, drives the clicks and drives everything else and the perception of the contract nationally. And then you start to dig into these contracts, you're like, oh, it's really a two year deal plus this, this, and this, right? And that's kind of where we are with Debo. Hopefully this thing gets done. Move Jimmy Garoppolo already, because that $25 million is only going to help you. And you can roll over some of that money into 2023 as well when you're going to need it. Um, uh, to, I hate like, I hate that everything always comes back to 10 with a lot of this stuff too. Like I think this conversation with Dio would have been done or much easier had 10 been off this team already, right? That's just another part of it. Um, Debo Samuel's value to this team 
it's up there. And I think the, the other part about this is the value of him to Trey Lance. He's going to be vital for Trey Lance's development. And you want that while you have a rookie quarterback under a rookie contract. Um, so get this done, San Francisco. Yeah, I heard all. Well, they, they do these things right up to training camp. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes it's okay to pay guys early. It's okay. It's okay, right? You don't need this extra stuff. You know, there's always this cloud over the Niners last couple of years. Jimmy Garoppolo has been the cloud for the last two years. Now you got this Debo thing hanging over you. What's next after that, right? The Bosa contract. Like you have two humongous contracts that have to be done within the next 18 months. Get them done. Stop messing around. And just, you know, it'd be so much easier just to relax and go into training camp with no, no issues. I don't know. Uh, the Niners have another issue. And I, I guess I wouldn't call this an issue. It's just something we've known about for a while. Mike McGlinchey tore his quad earlier, early in the 2021 season. And he was seen recently in a picture uh, looking more like a smaller George Kittle. Um, I think Mike McGlinchey is a good player. I think Mike McGlinchey got a bad rap with some of the, you know, his play. I think part of that had to do with the quarterback play around him as well. Nick Mullins holding the ball forever and, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo basically running into sacks and things like that and not helping out his offensive line as well. Is there a concern that Mike McGlinchey might not play this year? And I think it's a question we need to start asking um, based on his current size. I know it's April. That's great. But remember, in 2021, in 2020, after the Super Bowl year, he lost a whole bunch of weight and his play declined. He gained the weight back, looked much heavier in 2021. Was playing really. He's playing his best ball in 2021 before he got hurt, and then he's back. Now he's back down in weight because of the quad tear. Our guys, uh, Jason Aponte and Jordan Elliott, were at the combine. They asked John Lynch about Mike McGlinchey's health and if that was going to play a factor in the draft process. And John Lynch kind of brushed the question off. But I think the question right now needs to be asked. Are the Niners going to take a right tackle at 61? I think they should. Trey Lance is like, he's your investment. He's your season, Trey Lance, depending on it. Because if Trey Lance goes out there, doesn't get the protection, and it ends up being uh, Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard, we, we know what that result is. It's going to be a four or five win season. If you get Trey Lance to at least have a floor of a Jimmy Garoppolo, this is an NFC comp- competing team. Um, frankly, that's exactly what it is. And I'm not Tom Compton's stan. I don't think he's a good right tackle, but he was serviceable for the most part. Um, he's gone. He's in Denver now with the Broncos. So who do you have? Guards? You drafted guards that you now want to play tackle? Or t- you draft tackles that you converted into guards, and now you're going to try to kick them at tackle again. That's the thing with this team. If that's the plan to get your tackle through the draft, draft a tackle. That's all I'm asking for. Don't draft a guard and say, well, he's 6'6". We want to kick him in at, at tackle and have him to compete for the starting right tackle job. That's the last thing I want to see. I want to see them draft a tackle. Preferably a right tackle or at least right tackle experience, and play him there at right tackle because right and left is a big difference there. Um, if you haven't played right tackle at all in college, 
Um, so just, just get me someone that I could actually play right tackle rather than, you know, the old, we're going to draft a tackle and then we're going to convert him to guard. We're going to draft a guard and we're going to convert him for tackle. Like, I'm done with that. I'm so over that. I agree. I am uh, over a lot of those things with the 49ers. So now for those who are very much into mock drafts and things like that, but there has been a lot of, I guess, buzz or just mock drafts nationally that, you know, have shown the Niners to have interest in, you know, offensive linemen early in the draft, whether that's 61 or 93. A couple guys, you guys, a couple people that everyone should take a look at. Abraham, Abraham Lucas out of Washington State. Darren Kennard out of Kentucky, Sean Ryan out of UCLA, and Dylan Parham out of Memphis. Now, I spoke to Sean Ryan personally uh, on my podcast. He is going to meet with the Niners on the 19th of April. Uh, he has an in-person meeting with the 49ers. Hopefully that is going well. He's going to – hopefully that does go well for him. He's represented by Steinberg Sports and Sam Mizra um, of Steinberg Sports. And the conversation with him was he, he's a three-position offensive, offensive lineman, right? He can do center – guard and tackle and he's been kind of he he mentioned to me that you know teams have asked him about center but he's very very comfortable at at tackle uh at his time in ucla three years at ucla he only allowed two sacks only allowed two sacks in three years i'm gonna repeat that again two sacks in three years uh abraham lucas very fluid like offensive tackle mm-hmm, same darian Kennard out of kentucky bigger guy i like much him. bigger guy like him too uh, and then Dylan Parham, to me, he might be my favorite out of the group. Mauler type of right tackle, left tackle uh, player. I think the I think the 49ers fans, I think 49ers fans everywhere should really be concerned with Mike McGlinchey and what's going on there, and really start to dig into these tackle prospects. Um, those four, I think, are the best fits for this offense going forward. Um, if the Niners do decide to go that route, because the Mike McGlinchey images do not look promising. Um, you know, it kind of gave me some flashbacks to Colin Kaepernick. Remember when he had the surgeries? He got super thin, looked like Screech, and Mike McGlinchey looks like, you know. He looks like a retired Joe Staley. Say what, say what yeah. it is. He looks like Joe yeah. Staley when he retired. Um, so if you have not seen the photo of Mike McGlinchey yet, just I'm sure you saw the Joe Staley retirement photo by now since he's been out of football. The dude's leaned up. He's skinny. Um, probably has less of a belly than I do now, and I'm only 210 pounds at 6'1". Um, so, Mike McGlinchey, I, I had, I, I feel like I started that conversation early on within the offseason where I had my question marks around his future of the team. I think some people took it as, are you questioning him as a player? No, I was never questioning him as a player. I was questioning his future on this team because of the type of injury it was and the type of player he is where he's mostly highlighted from his athleticism in the run game at the tackle position, not necessarily uh, a stonewall tackle in the passing game. And with his injury, being that athletic tackle, going into your early 30s, you know, in a few years, what is a new contract going to look like for, for McGlinchey? Is he, is he someone that they saw long-term now after this injury? Those were my questions with him. It was never about his play before the injury. I don't think they had, a, I don't think they viewed him long-term after the fifth year option anyways, to be honest, unless he came relatively cheap. 
for his position. I think they were going to look for an upgrade eventually. Um, does this injury expedite that process? Probably. Does his weight look like a uh, concern? Yeah. Um, did they already accept his fifth-year option? Yeah, so they got to pay him. So that's $10 million or whatever the, the number was for him. So they're in a weird spot at right tackle. Hopefully Mike gets back and healthy, right? We That's what I hope. And I hope he can put the weight back on and get back to where he needs to be. But, you know, that quad injury, no one's really talking about it. It's something that I feel should be discussed or asked more. Hopefully the 49ers beat writers that are able to do so because, you know, the Niners do do a, a pre-draft press conference. Hopefully that's a question that's asked. Like, what are we doing here with Mike McGlinchey? How is he recovering? What is going on with his process? You know, do you see him as your long-term right tackle? If not, then we need to have a start having this discussion about who's going to play long right tackle long-term because there is a lot of question marks on this offensive line. Outside of Trent Williams, every other spot is a question mark. Right guard, Aaron Banks, are we sure he's good? We don't know. Alex Mack, is he going to be back? Are we sure? Because it all sounds like the same thing we got with Joe Staley. When Joe Staley knew he was going to retire, he told the Niners early on. I know. He was on my show. He told me about it. He told them early on he was going to retire. Um, right guard. Brunskill? McKivitz? Jalen Moore? Are you drafting another right right guard? Oh, and we just got done talking about Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. So you have four out of your five offensive line spots that are a question For mark. For a first-year starter. Correct. Nice. A good yeah. make we'll see how this goes. I didn't want this to be a doom and gloom show today, but the Debo stuff is concerning. The Mike McGlinchey stuff is concerning. Two big components of the 49ers offense in, the 20, in 2022 have question marks surrounding them. And hopefully they get we get some clarification from the 49ers here soon. Um, that'll do it. We'll be back next week. Hopefully get into some more prospects. Um, as always, I'm Javi. That is Leo. Make sure you check out everything at Niners Nation Podcast Network. Shout out to Rob Stats-Gurrell for doing this over and over and over again. Check out everything at the uh, NinersNation.com. And then make sure you're checking out Leo's Padres stuff. If you're a Padres fan, Leo, where can they find your Padres work? So you can find me on Twitter, uh, mostly at LeoLuna93. I do write for Gaslamp Ball, so it's part of the SB Nation family. So at Gaslamp Ball, you'll find us there as well. You heard him. Go give Leo a follow if you're a Padres fan. Even if you're not a Padres fan, go give him, go give show him some love with the Padres stuff. Are the Padres beating the Giants right now as we record? Yeah, I'm I'm keeping a close eye on it right now. It's three two Padres in the top of the ninth with two outs. So it's uh, as of right now, the losing pitcher would be Tyler Rod Tyler Rogers, and it looks like Padres get another one. Um, so it will be Rogers the losing pitcher, and then his brother Taylor Rogers could end up getting the save for the for the Padres. Oh, so, okay. Interesting interesting, you know, brother versus brother combination there. That's awesome. Um and as always follow me on Twitter at Javier underscore. Make sure you check out everything that I got going on over there. Um feel free to shoot us some mock drafts. We want to see them. Draft is two weeks away, two and a half weeks away. Until then everyone stay safe. Go Niners. Peace. <laughs>